0: I uh, ha- have entitled this, A Ray of Hope in the Darkness. And uh, I wanted to start by just getting you to think about this question, what makes you weep? What makes you weep? Um, the definition of weep is to express grief, sorrow, or an overpowering emotion by shedding tears. Uh, You can, it says, cry. You can weep for joy or you can weep with rage. You can weep from physical pain. You can weep from emotional pain. And uh, I just thought, what makes you weep? Uh, I wrote down some things. This, as you saw in this passage, or this overview of this book, it's not a time of uh, weeping for joy. But I still thought, okay, in order to kind of present two different uh, ideas or thoughts, uh, times in my life when I have uh, wept for joy. Uh, at a good movie, I'm a weeper. Okay, I'm a leaker. Uh, I I I cry. Um, I remember crying on my wedding day. Uh, yeah, Shirley, too. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate that. Her, her tears were for different reasons. Yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, I, I, um, I weep when Rick does jokes too many times. Yeah. Had to get you, man. No. Um, I, I wept... Uh, the day that we brought uh, our kids home from the hospital after being born. I wept uh, on the day when, uh, gosh, look at that, about to weep now, Um, when the adoption was finalized and we had two boys that were now legally Cooper's. I, left, uh, I I wept. I wept uh, on the day um, when I had the opportunity to baptize my kids. I wept on the days when my older children got married. Uh, I wept on uh, December twenty third of two thousand sixteen, on the day that uh, my granddaughter Cooper was born. And uh, I have wept for joy with this church family on numerous occasions. When I think about uh, some of the incredible things that have gone on in this church, uh, I I recall a number of the baptisms that were either at the Harlow's home or that were here inside this building. Exciting times. Uh, Weeping with people. But I've also uh, wept over sorrow. And in contrast, sad movies, where it didn't have a happy ending. I've wept, uh, man, now we just keep jumping right on in, Craig. Why can't you do some transitions here? Uh, I wept at the death of my father when I was 17. I wept when we didn't bring a child home from the hospital. I've wept when we gave a child back to her mother that we wanted to adopt for ourselves. I have wept over my sins. I have wept when I've left a church. I've, left, I've wept when uh, watching other people make poor choices. I've wept... Um, looking at lost people who don't know Jesus. And I've wept uh, with this church family when we've gone through loss and pain. Uh, just as we have this past week. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm for sure accurate or not, but I think just within our body, um, we have... Uh, roughly uh, 15 or so widows and widowers. And uh, we have had uh, five of those within the past year. That's not been easy. You know, we live in a weeping world. And uh, the book of Lamentations records Jeremiah's anguish over the nation of Judah's stubborn refusal to follow God. If um, you turn on your TV, you, you can see all kinds of things to weep over. This past week, um, there was two people who are well-known who um, the pain was too difficult that they committed suicide. And suicide has been increasing at an alarming rate over the past 10 years. Um, And as I believe Jeremiah wrote this book, though that's not conclusive, um, it's his anguish. Over all the years, Rick covered Jeremiah really great last week, particularly as he focused in on the New Covenant. A new covenant. We're not under the old covenant anymore. But as he uh, took us through the book of Hebrews, to be able to see that Jesus is the new covenant. um, Jeremiah was a prophet who was trying to warn the Israelites, come on, get your act together, repent, turn to the Lord. And for years, they just ignored him. And they ignored him. And they ignored him. And here in the book of Lamentations, uh, I believe that this is uh, his reflection and his living through now. God's justice. And it's not pretty. How would you like to be the one who is warning people about an Im- pending judgment, and not only did they not listen, but you also have to reap the rewards of, of their decisions. I can only imagine what he was feeling. That's why he was called the weeping prophet. He witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem and saw his people carried away into captivity. And he wandered the streets of the city overwhelmed by grief. If you would, open up your Bibles to to this book. It's Lamentations. And um, I'm gonna just try to give us a quick little view of things before we settle on chapter three. And that's where I want us to focus today. But... uh. Look at chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like the widow is she who once was great among the nations. She who is queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night, tears are upon her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is none to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. Verse 3 After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to her appointed feasts. All her gateways are desolate, her priests groan, her maidens grieve, and she is in bitter anguish. Finally, in verse 5, her foes have become her masters, her enemies are at ease. The Lord has brought her grief because of her many sins. Her children have gone into exile, captive before the foe. Sorrow was gripping the heart's of the citizens of Jerusalem in this chapter. The glorious city was in ruins, you can see in chapter 2. The verses 8 and 9 just talk about how, how, oh goodness, get there Craig, get there. The Lord determined to tear down the wall around the daughter of Zion. He stretched out a measuring line and did not withhold his hand from destroying. He made ramparts and walls lament. Together they wasted away. That city was was torn down, was broken down. This is the city of Jerusalem and all that it represented. The people were facing exile, and God's majestic Zion had fallen to the Babylonians. Wow, really? Imagine, if you will, um, throughout our history or in, in our future, if you just kind of ponder it a little bit, what would have happened if we had fallen to our enemies? Would we be speaking a different language? Russian? German? I wanna stop and pause for a moment. How do you think the Native American Indians feel? Now if we were to think in the future, we'd be fearful of uh, some sort of Middle Eastern power. I don't know what you think of. I'm just trying to guess at what uh, you know some of our fears may be. And yet, for the Israelites, for those who looked at Jerusalem as as the bastion. I couldn't even comprehend how horrible that would be to have the Babylonians come and take you away. And if they didn't take you away and you were left there, you were left in utter destruction. The people were destitute. Their suffering was horrible beyond belief. Belief. Chapter 2, verse 20 says, Look, O Lord, and consider, whom have you ever treated like this? Should women eat their offspring, the children they have cared for? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? I can't fathom that. But that's what was going on. And then in chapter 3, Uh, we see uh, toward the end of it, there's 66 verses, but in in verse 48 and 49, we see how uh, the prophet, again, I think it's Jeremiah, wept continually. In verse 48, streams of tears flow from my eyes because my people are destroyed. My eyes will flow unceasingly without relief until the Lord looks down from heaven and sees. What I see brings grief to my soul because of all the women of my city. Wow. You know, because we too find ourselves uh, wondering how to return to fellowship with God after falling uh, and failing him, I think the lessons that we can learn from uh, this chapter are worth heeding and and keeping close to our hearts. For the defeated people of of the holy city and for us, the hope of restoration is given in chapter three. So in Jeremiah's darkest hour, we see a a ray of of hope in this darkness. So if you would, um, just look with me, and uh, chapter three, verse one, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again and all day long. And he continues on and he talks about uh, uh, all these things that are horrible. They're, they're, they're just utterly horrible. And, and I'm looking at this I'm going, wow, why is this book even in Scripture? I mean, how are you supposed to draw comfort from this? It's not too uplifting. And And yet, it begins for me of looking where things change. Look at verse 19. And this is where I hope we can take with us and keep with us whenever we're facing those difficult times in our lives. And you know that we all will face them. And we will face more than one. But in verse 19, it says, uh, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. But here's the hinge. Look at verse 21. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. All the rest of the things that he has just listed out, you just go, wow, this, this is horrible. I mean, uh, earlier, you know, he, he's, he's in verse 10, he's talking about like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding. He dragged me from the path and mangled me. Later on in, in verse 13, he says, he pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. He, I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mocked me in song all day long. I, I mean, this guy gives incredible description to the pain that he was feeling, the anguish that he had to go through and endure. And yet he hinges, he says, yet this I call to mind. And therefore I have what? Hope. Hope. We have hope because of God's character. That's, that's described here, which is marked by these traits. In verse 22, his mercy and compassion. Also, in verse 23, his faithfulness. In verse 25, his goodness. And in verse 26, his salvation. That's where Jeremiah found his hope. That's where we need to remember to find our hope. One uh, scholar s- Pointed out there's three truths about the nature of God that Jeremiah recalls. He says, First is God's love never ends. Can you grasp that? It never ends. No matter what you've done, no matter what you haven't done, it never ends. And in spite of all of the emotional and physical pain that Jeremiah has endured, he can recall that. He can recall that God's love never ends. Even though it seems like, wait, what's happening to the promises that you made in the covenant? It nope. It doesn't end. God is just. But don't confuse his justice with the fact that oh, he doesn't love. Don't ever do that. That's like saying the parent who disciplines his child doesn't love them. No, it's because of that love that we discipline. In the video, as we saw, it's not out of that volatile anger kind of like, well, you just did what? It's God's consistent nature. is slow to anger. But he does get angry. And because of his holiness, he has to execute justice. And so we think of that, and it's like, oh, he executed his justice. Oh, you know, we see the pictures of of these different uh, uh, people crying out, God can handle our cries, folks. Don't ever squelch your cries. Oh, oh men don't cry. Oh, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't cry. I, where's that in the scripture? I mean, if Jesus cried, I'm gonna cry. Jeremiah cried but he can hold on to the truth that God's love never ends. Uh, Charles Dyer, in in one of the commentaries that I read, he he said this, Judah was down but not out. God was punishing Judah for her sin, but did not reject her as his covenant people. Now remember that. He had to punish her for her sin, but that doesn't mean he did not reject her as his covenant people. The word for great love has the idea of loyal love. God was sticking by his people that he had chosen. The covenant made with Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 28 had not been abrogated. In fact, God's loyal love could be seen in his faithfulness in carrying out the curses he had promised while at the same time preserving a remnant. The judgment itself was a witness to the fact that God had not abandoned his people. It's hard to cling to that truth when we're being disciplined, isn't it? It's hard to cling to that truth when we're experiencing grief so intense that we can't stand But nonetheless, cling to it, we must. God's love never ends. A second truth that was pointed out here is Jeremiah uh, recalls that God's concern never fails. His concern for us never fails. In fact, the Lord's expressions of compassion are new every morning. Man, I love that. The third truth that Jeremiah found in this is that God's faithfulness faithfulness never diminishes. Regardless of how untrusting and disobedient we as believers uh, may be, the Lord is the one who remains faithful because he can't deny himself. And he, he can't deny us. What a profound assurance of his unlimited grace and trustworthiness. And I just go, man, amen. And although we can't understand completely the sadness of the displaced Jerusalemites, if you want to call them, uh, we do uh, know how empty life becomes when our sin cuts us off from the fellowship with God. Yet we can be restored. Why? Because he will forgive us when we repent of our sin. His compassions are new every morning. Verse 23. You know, uh, I I read an illustration where a rabbi was asked um, by some of his scholars, why did not the Lord uh, uh, furnish enough manna to Israel for a whole year at a time instead of just uh, each day? And this rabbi responded, and he said, "Uh, I'm going to answer you with a parable, And he talked about there was a a king once who had a son to whom he gave a yearly allowance and paying him the entire sum on a fixed date once a year. And it soon happened that the day on which the allowance was due was the only day of the year in which that father saw his son. He said, so the king changed his plan and gave his son day by day that which was sufficient for the day. And then the son visited his father every morning. Every morning. How he needed his father's unbroken love, companionship, wisdom, and giving. And then this rabbi said, Thus God dealt with Israel and deals with us. I love that. Did you know that we've received two different hymns as a result of this passage? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I don't know if some of you remember singing that back in the 80s. Uh, I I remember that one. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord our God. Great is thy faithfulness. Which also, that's where um, Tom Chisholm wrote, great is thy faithfulness. And uh, that's a powerful song. But this passage is what was the inspiration for that. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There's no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. It's he alone who gives refreshment of hope And therefore, we too can proclaim, great is your faithfulness. No matter what we're going through, no matter what experience, great is his faithfulness. And how do we see Jesus in this? Because great is his faithfulness is not only just with the remnant of Israel, but great is his faithfulness to redeem a lost world. Great is his faithfulness when we blow it time and time again. Great is his faithfulness when he says, I have the solution. And that solution is my son, Jesus Christ. And it's through his faithfulness. And it's through Jesus' faithful obedience. All the way to death that you and I get to experience something truly incredible. We get to experience a forever with God and in his presence. Jeremiah said, This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Man, that's a great three verse to write down. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Put it in your car. Put it wherever you're going to see it. And start your day off like that. New every morning. It's not like Groundhog Day. Right? Come on, you remember that movie? He kept reliving the same day over and over and over. No, his mercies are new every morning. Do you live like that? Can you embrace that even if you're not feeling it? Can you recognize how much he has blessed us with? I need that reminder. And I think you do too. When we, uh, whether we suffer from uh, our own choices or from those of others, despair may threaten to overwhelm us, and when all seems lost, we can cling to the Lord's faithfulness. In verse 24, when he says, the Lord is my portion, therefore, I will wait for him. You know, Dennis Hahn, who's a guy who contributes a lot in different publications, he wrote, tears are a natural part of the Christian life. But thank God one day, in glory, our blessed Savior will wipe them all away. And I, I just want to read to you Revelations chapter 21, verses one through five. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away and he who was seated on the throne said i am making everything new let's pray father god i praise you and thank you so much That no matter what our circumstances may be, Lord, you make all things new. You you never leave us to go through this journey alone. Your presence is constantly with us, whether we recognize it or not, whether we feel it or not. Lord, thank you for the truth that you are with us in the valley. You're there. On the mountaintops, you're there. And everywhere in between. The long climb or the long descent. And I praise you and I thank you for these words from, from Jeremiah who can help put everything back into perspective. That regardless of what you may be bringing us through, may we have the comfort and the peace of knowing that it is for your glory. And so we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.